Hey, this is a reminder that if you're in Melbourne in February, we're going to be celebrating our one millionth download show at the Malthouse Theatre in Melbourne. Yes, well, it's not inside the theatre, Lewis. Uh, as you know, the Malthouse has a outdoor venue. It's going to be a summary event, but you won't be there. Yes, uh, I will not be attending the Malt Outhouse this year, but I'll be back for next year. Uh, I'm really disappointed about it. I absolutely love that theatre, but... Uh... I will be instead doing the far less important work of raising a child. <laughs> uh, I, I'm, I'm still determined to see if we can get you in the show for the millionth download on Zoom or something like that. So we, we should work out something how that how that could possibly work. I'm ready. I'll, I'll be. I'll just be at home. Uh, if the, you have some sort of filter that filters out the sound of screaming child, uh, we should be all sweet. <laughs> I'm looking forward to it. It's a great show. Uh, Lewis won't be there, but DJ Andy McClelland will be holding the show together. Kirsty Wiebeck, Sammy Shah, uh, Charlie Pickering, and the guy with the most downloads of podcasts in Australia, Richard Feidler, will also be joining us on the stage. Uh, it's weird to be offering Richard Feidler a flight and accommodation to come and perform <laughs> at our show. <laughs> He's doing fine. Although he is still an ABC employee, so you still have to treat him right. That's true. He is also comedy royalty, having been part of uh, Doug Anthony All-Stars in the past. So, you know, it's out of respect we do that. Uh, I'm recording my End of Irrational Fears summer series on Gundungurra land and we pay respects to elders past, present and emerging. Let's start the show. This is Irrational Fear. Lewis, it's great to uh, it's great to you know feel the feel the warmth of summer on our faces as we talk to our next guest. Matt Lieb is one of the digital comedy world's comedians. Comedian, he's a writer, performer, producer. You may have seen him on Good and Mythical Morning, playing all manner of awful characters. He's also he also was a writer and performer on AJ Plus's Newsbroke. And his wife Francesca Fiorentini has been a previous guest on this podcast. He's also a podcaster. You would have heard him on Pod Yourself a Gun. And quite a few Irrational Fear listeners on our Discord have mentioned that they loved you on Behind the Bastards uh, as well. So, please, welcome Matt Lieb to Irrational Fear. Hey, so glad to be here with you guys. This is uh, this is fun. You guys over in uh, Australia? <laughs> That's right. How, did, how could you tell? Sick. I mean, you know, I'm pretty good with accents, and I could tell immediately. I was like, oh, that sounds Australian to me. <laughs> you know what, Matt? At the moment, um, we were just talking before the show started that um, I've got an 11-month-old daughter at the moment. And, I mean, I intend That's to right. keep her, but I just mean she's 11 months at the moment rather than I have her at the, at moment, the moment. yeah. And she, like, we're, you know, trying to not let her watch too much TV or whatever, but, you know, she'll, she'll do a bit of screen time. And she's obsessed with this, like, American YouTuber called Miss Rachel who is, like, massive oh. right huge anyone who has a young child will yeah. have encountered miss rachel and who's actually amazing oh. it teaches really incredible teaching words but with the most intense american accent and we are so <laughs> worried because she'll this woman will be like hey can you say <laughs> hey and we have to look at our daughter <laughs> and, and look at and make her look us in the eye and goes it's not hey it's here <laughs> hey hey this is this is revenge for Bluey, okay? 
<laughs> Bluey is taking over in America. All children are going around talking, talking like Bluey. They're doing Australian accents, and we're trying to say no. No, you talk like an American, <laughs> not like an island of convicts. No. Well, this is this is Bluey's our revenge for a hundred years of soft culture. Yeah, that's a good point. Soft power. You know, we tell our children no, <laughs> no. <laughs> you guys got too many, uh, yeah, yeah, too many uh, vowels in that. No, I mean, there's no. a great, great LA-based comedian. I don't know if you know them, Matt. Brian Jordan mm. Alvarez. Oh, yeah, 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 yeah. Oh, my God. He does the best Australian accent for an American I've ever heard. Like, he could put all the Australian a- actors in L.A. out of work because his, his Australian mm. accent is premium. It's, it's incredible. And, you know, all of his characters are good. It's, you know, he reminds me of a simpler time. Like, uh, when, when I say a simpler time, I mean, like, a few months back when shit was, like, bad but not the worst. <laughs> And uh, yeah, October 6th. We that was just, a good time. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, 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 yeah. October 6th, great time in the planet Earth. And uh, you know, we were sitting sitting around singing his dumbass songs, and I was like, ah, I love some silly comedy. And then the world <laughs> blew up. Well, that's why and, we got uh, you on, Matt, because you're having a bit of an Instagram mm. moment right now. Um, you're one of the few comedians <laughs> that are like wading into the crisis that's unfolding in Israel and Palestine and finding humor in it. I thought we'd get you on just to, you know, ask you how. Uh, this could be a very short podcast. <laughs> 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 How? Because <laughs> because I already don't have management. Bye. Uh, <laughs> no, that's a serious uh, question. I mean, you're you're in LA. Do you have you? Mm-hmm. I mean, you're 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 kind of getting this incredible um, uh, Instagram moment right now with the digital content you're making, making fun of Zionists online and gen- mm-hmm. the general hypocrisy of people in this conflict. Tell us about like why you started it and what your thoughts were in weighing up the risks, whether to do it or not, because you are an <laughs> LA-based comedian. <laughs> That's true, in the entertainment industry. Uh, yeah, no, so, I mean, I've been for a long time. Well, first of all, I'm I'm a Jewish anti-Zionist. So that's always for me, like Zionism and like talking about Israel and all that stuff has always been something that's like in the, you know, uh, an inside conversation amongst uh, Jewish people. You know, we all in private criticize Israel in one way or another. Some people more so than others. Some people are, you know, um, staunch supporters of Israel and some people are are not and that's always been normal and fine and part of the you know just the inter Jewish community conversation and so i you know at some point a few years back i you know was i w- once i started working at aj plus that was the first time i started like making content because i i realized i was like oh you know this might be a place that actually would allow me to do some, you know, uh, political humor takes about Israel. Uh, you know, it has to be, of course, <laughs> Al Jazeera online that lets me do it. But, uh, <laughs> you know, this you take what you can get in this business. So what, um, what I'm hearing is you're in the pocket of the big Muslim brotherhood. That's what you're... That's right. <laughs> yeah. Yes, exactly. Yeah, me and Qatar, you know, <laughs> hand in hand. You know, we're just... Uh, we're best friends, me and the Amir. Um, and full, no, but full, full like, disclosure, that's where Matt and I met. So, you know. <laughs> that's right. Um, yeah. So this is, and, this is the conspiracy. This is the media conspiracy I've been hearing about. Yes, yes, <laughs> right. yeah. This is the real cabal. Uh, <laughs> it's Australians and anti-Zionist <laughs> Jews getting together and making very niche political content for nobody. 
But yeah, no. So I, you know, I've been doing this kind of, you know, finding humor in, in Zionism for like a, a long time. And, but it's always been niche. Like the jokes have been niche. Cause you really, um, I always felt like unless you were either super like, I, you know, for lack of a better word, woke on Palestine, or you were uh, Jewish and raised, you know, having these conversations about Zionism, most people don't know what the hell you're talking about. So these jokes don't make sense to anybody who's not knowledgeable until recently. I mean, there's a, a large education element to the stuff you have to do in the early days. Yeah. So what did that look like? What did your stuff earlier on look like compared to now? Well, I mean, with uh, AJ Plus, I did some videos about like one was like a video on why um, it's not anti-Semitic to criticize Israel, kind of like showing various examples of how to claim Zionism is, uh, you know, anti-Zionism is anti-Semitism is flawed because of the fact that Zionism is a more recent thing you know, late 19th, early 20th century invention and Judaism been around for a minute. And, uh, you know, I did a video about why white supremacists and far right, like nationalists in the United States were seemed to be so in love with Israel and about how kind of the, you know, Zionist philosophy uh, mirrors in a lot of ways, kind of like white nationalist philosophy. You know, uh, I think it was some, uh, a, pseudo-famous white nationalist in America who I don't know if anyone else knows, but just this one guy, uh, famous Nazi, uh, was saying he considers himself a white Zionist. He uh, is like, you know, I want what they have, but for just white people. Oh, oh thanks for that context. That That's always baffled me as to why the far right goes so hard on Israel and try to you know, boost Israel right. every election. It's such a weird so, thing. Because they're just pro-genocide as a concept. <laughs> they're pro, yeah, they love genocide. So they're like, well, I'm cool with that. Uh, they love, you know, settler colonialism. They like the idea mm. of, you know, the uh, the brown indigenous people are need to be, the, the savages need to find Jesus, in, in, so to speak. Right. They like the idea of, all the Jews moving away. <laughs> I mean, that's the right. big one. I wondered how uh, it, I wondered right. how it would um, connect with the like Nazi part of the neo-Nazi pro-Zionism. Well, because like you know, it is the the mission of you know far right Zionists in Israel uh, is not to keep world Jewry safe. It's to keep Israeli Jews safe and to make it. So that all Jews move to Israel. They want they want all Jews outside of Israel to be associated with Israel, and they don't give a shit if it makes them unsafe in other countries. Mm-hmm. Not saying it should. People should not be conflating Israel and Jews uh, and world Jewry. Like that is that is anti-Semitism that Zionists in Israel fully participate in. They love it. They love doing that. And they love making Jews a monolith. Uh, while at the same time pretending that they're not doing that. And in fact, they, of course, are against anti-Semitism, which is, uh, you know, I would say I'd seen seen more anti-Semitic shit coming out of the Zionist internet right now, uh, like on Zionist Twitter and stuff. I've seen more anti-Semitic statements come out of there than I have in a long time. And it's not just, you know, these like, sure, there are actual Nazis on Twitter kind of saying the same you know, they're saying the same shit they've always said. You know, oh, the Jews run the 
the banks and they made the vaccine. You know, fucking, it's, it's all, you know, dumbass conspiracy theory shit. Whereas like Zionists will openly, I saw a post today where a Zionist openly was saying, people need to understand that all Jews are different ever since the seventh. And it's like, that is a completely fucked up statement to make, to lump all Jews in together as like one homogenous voice and that we are all now different. I mean, it's, it's actively asking people to look at us, look at us as other. And I don't, I don't see myself that way. It is interesting, like in the, in the world global space, um, in Australia, I've got mm-hmm. plenty of Jewish friends who are very fairly vocal online about how the world has kind of ignored October 7 <laughs> and mm-hmm. kind of forgotten about it already. Um, and right. I, I think that's fairly legitimate criticism of, of the world media. Um, almost. I mean, sure. Skipping over it and pretty much. Um, and then. Well, it's interesting because. Have it, they? Is that. I, I don't know if. It, like, certainly, I feel like it's been fairly well covered. Is that not so? I mean, so here's. This is just speaking from my own news media because I don't know what it's like in Australia. But. Um, oh, we've got a guy we, that runs it. His name is um, Rupert Murdoch. Do you, do you know? <laughs> oh, oh, I've heard of him. <laughs> yeah, I know that guy. He's like, oh, he's cool. Yeah, he, he's a. We, we love that guy. He was our first Bluey. He was our first good export. <laughs> <laughs> oh yeah, he's always been this wily Australian shepherd. Yeah, <laughs> this heart, heartwarming dog that we sent over to America to do good work. <laughs> do great work and just really indoctrinate our you know, instead of the kids it's the old <laughs> we're, we're getting we're, we're missing the middle aged but we're hitting you on death's door and at birth yes exactly but yeah no in in america i mean we definitely uh the, the idea that we don't talk about the seventh you know here is not is not necessarily the case and i do feel like for people who do believe that you know again i don't know what it's like in australia in terms of the news media but i mean the seventh was one completely awful day on the calendar, and then the eighth happened, and then the ninth, and the tenth, and the, like the news. You know, w- when it covers one event over and over again, you know it. I mean, for, it does. It does cover. It covers the seventh uh, a lot. We see a lot of coverage of the seventh. We see a lot of new uh, details, updates. How many people died? How they died? Um, you know, just specific details of it. Whereas every day in Gaza, there's, you know, another mass death, another mass atrocity. And we're not getting those individualized details. They're not even names to us. They're just, they're numbers on a piece of paper. So two months ago, when did you start to go, well, I'm going to do, I'm going to try and do something here. Like, it's a pretty big ask to like go... It's, I think it's a pretty mm-hmm. weird time in social media and the internet to go, my opinion on this is going to be valuable. Well, once you, you know that once you start, you're in for the long haul. You can't just dip your toe in. For me, I'd been done it before, so it, it wasn't too much of a stretch for me to make a video. And um, But it took me about two weeks because, like, for the first couple of weeks, I was mostly just in shock about what had happened and how quickly things had escalated in Gaza. And, you know, I, you know, started with some posts, just like, you know, tweeting a couple of things, you know, some of it was, you know, tongue in cheek satire and stuff. Um, Some of it was serious, but it took, I think about two weeks before I realized that this was 
not going to be just another instance of what the Israeli government calls uh, mowing the lawn. Um, if you really? don't know what that is, that's yeah. So mowing the lawn is something that uh, it's Israel's policy in Gaza, in which every couple of years they uh, they basically go into Gaza and they start killing people. They start either, quote, targeting Hamas, or they just do all sorts of, there's a lot of tactics that they use in order to uh, try to get a response out of Hamas, try to get a a rocket, you know, shot in their direction, anything in order to justify an incursion that kills thousands. They literally call it mowing the lawn. You can look it up. It's a real thing. I didn't come up with it because I'm not a psychopath. So I realized that this was not that, that this was going to be, they were going to use that attack because it was so, I mean, not just like atrocious in terms of like how many people died, but so embarrassing for the Israeli military apparatus that has had this like invincibility kind of shield where you you just, we always assume like, oh, they, they're the greatest military, you know, in the region. Like they, there's no way they could have an attack this big happening. And we realized that that wasn't the case. And it kind of like penetrated that narrative. And I think that was very embarrassing for them. And I think they're, I realized two weeks in that they're going to use this as uh, justification to do probably the biggest mass displacement of Palestinians that we've seen since 1948. And meanwhile, I saw that the the discourse was purely about anti-Semitism, and I couldn't I couldn't handle that because that for me was like it's an incredibly dangerous thing to take a real thing, anti-Semitism. And apply it to any instance of criticizing what's going on in Israel. Um, because it makes most people be like, oh, anti-Semitism is not a real thing. Like, like people are becoming more anti-Semitic. I think that is true. And I think a big part of that is that they are buying into Zionist propaganda about how all Jews are secretly, you know, uh, loyal to Israel. And so for them to take over the the anti-Semitism conversation and the Israel conversation simultaneously, I was like, fuck that. Uh, I can't I can't let that stand. So I took an old script that I written a few years ago that for a video I didn't do with AJ Plus about uh, how to criticize Israel without being accused of anti-Semitism. And I just made a video out of that. And uh, that was the first one I did. And then I just kind of kept making them. All right, let's have a listen to that video right now. A lot of people on the so-called left criticizing Israel while falling into the same anti-Semitic tropes that I've seen time and time again. So I, an American Jew, am going to tell you how to correctly criticize Israel without being accused of anti-Semitism. Here are some don'ts. Do not overstate your case. Don't go throwing around the word apartheid state. Apartheid only ever happened in South Africa. And you you can't use that word again. You can't just keep using words. <laughs> Call it something that is correct, like a kerfuffle. You know, just be like, oh, that's a right. kerfuffle, they go, they. Do not mention the Palestinians or the occupation, okay? If you want to talk about problems in Israel, talk about how there's a lot of stray cats and how the traffic's really bad. Do not throw around the word genocide. You guys just throw it around like it's just nothing. Do not support a one-state solution. If there was a one-state solution, Israelis might lose their demographic majority, and that is literally genocide. Do not support a two-state solution. Do not support a solution. What, you think you got all the answers? You're so f- smart. 
do not be a Palestinian, an Arab, a black person, or a Muslim, okay? All of those groups are racist against Jews. And I think I know a thing or two about racism, because I just said something racist. Do not be a reformed <laughs> Jew. The only real Jews are religious Jews or, you know, Israeli citizens. Do not be an anti-Zionist Israeli. What the f*** are you doing? Do not be an anti-Zionist Orthodox Jew. That ruins my narrative. F*** my s*** up. I don't like that. Do not call yourself an anti-Zionist. There's many definitions of Zionism. There's the nice one, and then there's the what's actually happening. And while you may be against what's actually happening in Israel right now, when you say you're an anti-Zionist, you make me think that you're against the, the fantasy version of Zionism that I have in my head. Just call yourself a liberal Zionist. It's that easy. Do not be a liberal Zionist. Liberals are basically leftists, which are basically socialists, which are basically communists, which is Stalin, and Stalin hated Jews. So what are you, Stalin? To be safe, call yourself a Zionist. Do not not be a Jew. If you are not a Jew and you're like, oh, but what about the Palestinians? And like, how, how am I supposed to know that you actually care about the Palestinians? What if you're just crying because you hate me? Do not call for a ceasefire. When you call for a ceasefire, all I'm hearing is that you want more fire. <laughs> Do not talk about anything on social media, okay? If you want to criticize Israel, open up a Word doc, write out all your thoughts within the parameters that I've set up, and then close that doc and just move about your day. And finally, do not criticize Israel. Just don't. Uh, did it feel a little bit, little bit um, dusty from the AJ Plus days, or you were just like... <laughs> uh, I, I ended up rewriting a lot of it because it was uh, originally, um, there was only like two or three of those that were from the original script. And then a lot of them were written, you know, at the time, you know, when I put the video out. Um, the, the, yeah, originally it was uh, because they had just, uh, the Women's March had just kicked out one of their organizers. It was Zara Bilou, I believe. Uh, and uh, they kicked her out because she had said something along the lines of like the Israeli lobby and, you know, talked about the Israeli lobby and saying, talked about Israel and money and how that works in American politics. I thought it was egregious to call that anti-Semitism because it's like, oh yeah, you can criticize the Israel lobby. But just don't talk about how they use money to do lobbying. You know, yeah, that's simple. That's easy. <laughs> like, there's just all these rules. There's this. There's this constant refrain you see anytime from like Hasbara. Uh, Hasbara, by the way, is just loosely uh, Israeli propaganda. Okay, Hasbaras are people who deal in Hasbara, and uh, there's a line you see over and over again. It's totally fine to criticize the Israeli government. But, and then whatever thing you just said is actually anti-Semitic. It, it, like, the idea that it is totally fine to criticize the Israeli government within these, like, very specific parameters that doesn't touch upon any possible trope or whatever is, like, uh, it is completely irrational. It is designed to make it impossible to do good faith criticism of Israel and to take any critics seriously and, and and it you know it chills the conversation because uh, immediately people don't want to talk about Israel because they all say what 
oh, I'm not educated enough to talk about this. Clearly, I need to like, you know, read more about this and and, and in order to understand it. And what they mean is like, I don't want to say the wrong thing and then be accused of anti-Semitism, which does have like a real like material effect on your life. Like you can lose a job. People have been losing jobs left and right over this. You know, you could lose friends. You could, there's a bunch of shit. You get your reputation ruined. You could online, you could fucking, there are websites dedicated to logging quote unquote anti-Semites in order to make sure the accusation follows them for the rest of their life. No one wants that smoke. It's an, it's a minefield. And people don't want to enter the minefield. And that's the point of people's, you know, list of rules of how to criticize Israel. It's, it's to make the minefield, like, so, uh, I mean, it just makes it impossible for you to want to take the risk. No one wants to, no one wants to, like, delve into an issue and get in trouble. No one wants to make people feel bad either. People, they just want to like, they just want to be like, hey, this seems bad, right? I'm pretty sure this is bad. As you say, like, you know, particularly in living memory for a lot of people, you know, anti-Semitism has such a, like the bleakest of histories. So it is to to, to suddenly be connected to that. You're like, I would do anything. I would like, what is the point of risking anything to be associated with that. That is just so dark. But we had a situation here, Matt, where a bunch of journalists Mm. in Australia all got together to sign uh, an open letter just about journalism in Australia and and the way that it should be covering the conflict at the moment. And it was was very centrist. It was not, it was sort of basically just saying everything needs to be treated equally, you know, treat comments from the Israeli, from the IDF with the same scepticism as comments from Hamas. Like that was... It was more or uh-huh. less that, right? And we had, and and it was hundreds and hundreds of journalists signed it, but heaps of people like wrote these messages of like, I can't sign that because I'll lose my job. And and that is like, yeah. it wasn't saying, it wasn't calling for like anything even beyond basic journalism to be applied to the situation. Mm-hmm. I saw heaps of people sign it and when I saw people who couldn't and have spoken to people who couldn't, it's really, I was like, oh, right, okay, these are like normal good people in normal jobs that I know who who are afraid of losing their job over just asking to do normal journalism on this. Yeah, no, it's true. I mean, you know, it is, uh, it's, it's a minefield and like people are legitimate, like they're, they're not even wrong. You know, it's not that they're, they're scared for a good reason. We are watching people get, fired, get demoted. I mean, at least here in the United States, people are losing and have been for years. One of my good friends, this journalist, M. Wilder, um, who I've known from Jewish anti-Zionist spaces for for a bit now, a few years back, she lost her job with uh, the Associated Press because some Israeli, you know, right-wing Israeli troll I don't know, a, a, a troll or a group of trolls. It's hard to know who did it, but someone found her her alt account on Twitter in which she is, you know, openly talking about Zionism and openly talking about, like, free Palestine and stuff like that. This was, like, not her public account. It was kind of a private one for, like, friends and stuff. And they, you know, publicized it, and uh, they got her fired from uh, the Associated Press. And, and you know, this so people have 
been losing their jobs for this even pre-October 7th. And now the pressure to, to stay silent is like, I, I've never seen it higher. I've never seen the talking points more and more poison-pilled in order to stop you from criticizing any move that the Israeli military makes in Gaza. Because any move that they make that you criticize, it's like, oh, so you support uh, the uh, mass rape that Hamas did. Or you support the uh, beheading of babies. Like, all of these things are, are, are meant to, you know, chill the conversation and to, to stop people from speaking out against it. Uh, and not to mention firing people. That's another tactic, you know? Oh, on this podcast, we've taken to doing a condemn list at the end of the show, just to condemn everything. Oh, good. Yeah, mm. you know, terrorism, anti-Semitism, war crimes, Finnish yes. licorice, sexism, racism, homophobia, <laughs> corn syrup, discrimination, mm. European Super League, hate crimes, animal cruelty, climate change denial, mm. snails, authoritarianism, suppression of democracy, and fuckboy island. That's usually our our, um, our, our condemn list. Dad and I so, disagree over I'll, fuckboy island, actually. That's... um. Oh, you disagree? Yeah, that one's... Should I take that yeah, off the gonna, condemn list? I'm going to take that one to the UN. Okay, right. That's going yeah, off the Could you please? <laughs> but Matt, oh, like, yeah. you know, we're talking about all of that, all of that um, potential blowback and how serious it is. Mm-hmm. Uh, do you think, like, as a as a Jewish man, like, how has that been for for you to be, you know, to be a, an anti-Zionist? Like, I think, you know, um, as a you know, as a non-Jewish person, you you feel like you might get the risk of being an anti-Semite. But as a Jewish person, what sort of what sort of risk, I guess, does it take to speak out like that? So it's a, it's a risk, but in a, in a different way. There's still all the same risks of like losing, you know, jobs and and whatnot. Uh, that's always the case, and when you're talking about politics, like publicly, doesn't matter who you are, uh, you're if you work for fucking Disney or whatever, you know, they can fire you or they can just do what in the entertainment industry they usually do. They just don't hire you and they don't tell you Mm -hmm. why. So for whether you're Jewish or not, this is always a risk. But I do feel a little more protected than than everybody else. Not because they won't call me an anti-Semite. They will call me. They You know, there are people (laughs) who call me an anti-Semite or say I'm not Jewish enough, or or they'll say, um, you know, I'm a self-hating Jew, all the, you know, all that stuff. It's not, the consequences are not the same. Mm. The consequences, uh, the, the accusation really sticks to, to be honest, more marginalized groups like black people in America are, they will call you a Jew hater like that. If you say anything, I remember a few months ago, Jamie Foxx, he got like dragged for anti-Semitism for a post. He said it was a post about hashtag fake friends. And he said, you know, uh, they did something along the lines of like they did Jesus like that. What do you think they'll do to you? Hashtag fake friends. And then people went, who is they? And Literally, they called him an anti-Semite because they were like, you're saying the Jews killed Jesus. And I was like, no, his fake friends killed him. It says hashtag fake friends. It is already a childish post. Why are you making it a serious thing? And literally, like Kanye is the first time in a long time that I have seen an actual like, uh, 
just an anti-Semitic post from a, a black celebrity. Usually when they're calling a black celebrity anti-Semitic, it's because they say something along like all along the lines of there's a lot of, uh, you know, uh, Jews in the entertainment industry. Mm-hmm. Or they'll say there's a lot of, you know, uh-huh. uh, Jewish lawyers, you know, <laughs> or I have this good, they'll say like, I have a good Jewish lawyer. And people will be like, hey, how dare you say Jews and lawyers are a thing. <laughs> But like Kanye, at the very least, I was like, okay, he's going full bore. He's on the, like he's like Jew yeah. hate, Jew hate, Jew hate. Uh, <laughs> and I, I was like, it was you know, it was refreshing almost. I was like, yes, I agree. That is anti-Semitism. Oh, I forgot. Should we put Kanye on the condemned list, Lewis? I, I keep I keep wondering whether Kanye should go on it on the condemned. Obviously, list. Um, as long as we can leave <laughs> like you know everything from late registration to Jesus off the list. As a as a right, person, course, we can course. keep him on the list. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, like, listen, listen. You got to separate the art from the artist, right? You know, this is why. <laughs> so we all love Woody Allen. You know, I'm just kidding. Uh, um, yeah, no, but like, if you are black in America, you will you can get painted as an anti semite super quick. It and and it matters. Mm. Uh, and if you are, especially if you're Arab. Yeah, they will call you an anti-Semite for just existing. I mean, shit, you know, uh, the, the, the risks that people are taking, you know, by being an Arab or just a person of color in America and speaking out against the crimes of the Israeli government, like, is way more than I'm risking. Because for me, the thing I'm risking is the same, you know, kind of like, yeah, you know, I, I may not get a job or, you know, I may uh, I may get, you know, dragged by some fucking right-wing Zionist or whatever. But, like, the people who are saying stuff and are not Jewish, like, to me, I'm like, that That actually, like, takes, that takes balls. Uh, you know, like, I mean, not saying that what I'm, I'm not saying I'm not a hero. Obviously, I'm a hero. <laughs> But I'm saying that uh, a lot of people are more heroic uh, than I am. I mean, you know, I'm I'm doing mostly satire. Mm. Everything I'm doing is I'm doing it from the you know I'm I'm doing it as a Zionist, liberal Zionist, or, yeah, <laughs> as a liberal Zionist. Yes, you know, like I'm I'm doing it very much to kind of like uh, fully paint the picture of the people. A lot of the people who I know who I've been seeing acting in this way. And being like, you deserve to be made fun of. You have, you, have, uh, you have lost your marbles a little bit. Tell us about taking this character from mm-hmm. the 9 by 16 confines of Instagram to the real mm-hmm. world. Have you tried this gear out in public? I haven't done like a satirical character like on stage or anything. On stage, I'm just myself. I'm just a stand-up comic and whatnot. So I, I play myself. But... On stage, I do talk about Zionism and anti-Semitism. And, you know, recently in the last, obviously, you know, two plus months, I've been, uh, that has been a good portion of what I've been talking about on stage because I uh, I can't help it. That's what I'm writing right now. So I just <laughs> say the shit that I'm writing. Most of my complaints, uh, because I spend most of my time in LA and I haven't done the road for, you know, I think six weeks now, are very... LA specific type of jokes. Like I have a lot of shit about Amy Schumer and Eliza Schlesinger right now. (laughs) 
mostly about the fact that I'm like really tired of blonde-haired, blue-eyed Jews <laughs> uh, screaming about how they feel unsafe. Like, I've never seen a more corn-fed-looking motherfucker than <laughs> Amy Schumer. And the idea that she's worried, like, no one knows you're Jewish. I'm sorry. This is America. America, we're racist and stupid. We're both. So in America, when we want to kill Muslims, uh, Sikhs die. Because we don't know the fucking difference. That is, like, I've been... What I'm hearing is that you need better education in America, so uh, so idiots yes. can be more uh, more tactical in who they kill. You need like yeah. a, a special like tertiary education for racists. <laughs> honestly, honestly, it's embarrassing at this point. Like we're not even getting like the Palestinian stereotypes right. We're just doing like basic fucking Islamophobia out here, talking about like cutting heads off and shit. It's like no dog, like. Like, there's a specific type of way you can be racist towards Palestinians, and you're not even doing that. You're just like these, these broad swipes at all Arabs. It's just, it's, it's, it's not even that it's offensive. It's that it's hacky. Mm. That is the thing that offends me more than anything. If you're going to be racist, at least be pointed. You know? <laughs> Don't be hack. Don't say Hassan Chop, you fucking... That's like a Looney Tunes cartoon. <laughs> Jesus. Like, you know... And I think one thing that annoys me about it, too, is that, like, the amount of care that I think a lot of people um, on the left and, uh, you know, uh, Arab Americans and just, uh, you know, uh, Arab critics of Israel, the amount of, of, like, care that they take to make sure that their language is specific, specific to Israel, specific to the government specific to the conflict. They take all that care. And on the other side, they'll just say out loud, you know, you know, those, those, those Arabs, you just have too many babies. That's the problem. The problem is they have too many babies and well, you know, we got to, we got to displace them because otherwise they're, they're going to have a bigger population than we're going to do. And then, what, then it won't be a Jewish state. You know, it's <laughs> like, they'll say out loud all this racist shit, like, and, they will look for any little nugget of anti-Semitism in the wording of a carefully crafted critique of Israel by, you know, Arabs or anyone really. So, yeah, it's a... It's a weird, it is a weird moment. mm -hmm. Speaking about kind of choosing language and things like that. I've got a couple of really good friends who are Israeli comedians and they are very progressive. They've been in the streets for... Most of this year protesting um, Netanyahu. Netanyahu, yeah. And and along, I mean, then October 7th happened and there's no uh, kind of, there's no kind of recognition about what Israel is doing in Gaza from their point of view. Mm -hmm. That's a little, to use an American phrase, it's a little hard to square that circle you know yeah uh, it's it's, it's kind of hard like I, i'm i'm fully sympathetic for my friends who live there sure but it feels like of they course. are now like trapped in this in this space where they can't see what is happening you know they're in this they're in this bubble that they can't acknowledge the harm that their own government is doing and that, that, that the, that yeah. what is happening on their behalf is justified as well it's a, it's so it's so right. hard to kind of, you know, 
be supportive of their situation in that regard. Yeah, no, I mean, I feel for Israelis. I feel for not just my, you know, Israeli friends and whatnot, but just Israelis in general because of the literally impossible situation that their government has put them in. Their, their, their government for so long has put them in a situation that I wouldn't know what to do if I was Israeli. I would be fucking like, you know, because uh, uh, I can't fault. It's hard to fault people, especially like progressive Israelis who understand. They understand, of course, the problems with Netanyahu and the problems with the country and whatnot. But then they, you know, they suffer this massive attack. And, you know, Israel is a small country. So, like, a lot of people, if they don't know someone who died uh, or, or, you know, were related to someone, they, like, everyone knows someone who was affected by what happened. And it's really hard as someone who, you know, lived through 9-11. I'm sympathetic to the idea that you kind of go, you you lose a little bit of your mind when something <clears throat> something that traumatic happens. And you, uh, you know, we went to war with Afghanistan and Iraq over that shit. I'm sympathetic to the idea that they are living with no hope of, like, a just peace between the two because of the fact that their government is so far right and just the continued expansion of the settlements. Like, they know that the two-state solution is dead. And they know they're living in an apartheid state and they don't, there's a lot of Israelis who do not want that, but they are just in this impossible situation where they're also are like, but if we all had one state, they'd kill us. And I'm like, yeah, I, I imagine being a white Afrikaner during apartheid who was like seeing how bad shit was, was probably also thinking the same thing. Like, fuck. What do we do? I get being scared, but I also am like, I'm tired of, uh, you know, this um, idea that that people can't imagine a world in which it would even be possible for peace to happen. This idea of like, oh, you know, this is this is a dream. This is a naive dream. And I'm like, yeah, they said the same shit about apartheid in South Africa. And what happened? They fucked, there was no white genocide that did not happen. Like, in fact, white Afrikaners kept all of their economic privileges. It was kind of like the deal. Yeah, and that's that's still how it works in South Africa. It's economic support. That's still how it yeah. works. Yeah. Yeah, they, it was kind of a neoliberal compromise. And, you know, I'm not, it certainly wasn't perfect. But, you know, the it didn't happen. The whole fear we have to do this because of security like this idea that the people can't even imagine they won't even begin they'll just call you naive straight away say you don't know what you're talking about you don't know the history blah 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 um like it's just we're dealing with so much coddling that i'm like i'm like i'm i'm sick of it i'm sick of of, of the coddling i'm sick of you know the this idea of like we have to allow this level of brutality because what else are we supposed to do? It's like, I don't know. Use your fucking imagination. (laughs) (laughs) You think about it for a little. The alternative to that is the brutality lasts forever, which is also not like that is, that just cannot be an option. Right. That's the alternative is the brutality lasts forever. This is, this is uh, the problem 
that I see is I go like, there is no other, this idea of, it is naive to believe that there can be peace and there can be uh, coexistence. The idea that that is like insane and naive because of the death. It's like, what is, what's happening now then? Is that not death? Mm. Is that not brutality and destruction? Like, what what do you mean? It's like, the but the idea is, you know, Israeli security and the security of Israelis is more important than the security of anybody else in the region. And that is like, to me, I'm like, well, that is, uh, that's wrong. I'm against that. <laughs> Uh, once again, Matt, very brave. Very, very brave. I'm, I'm very brave. You know, all of this shit would not be a brave thing if it were literally anything else. That's the other thing that pisses me off. It's literally anything else. I'm tired. I just, ugh, God damn it. And then meanwhile, you have people here in America. And, you know, like I love, I love all my friends who are, you know, who have been texting me about how Hamas is going to kill my baby and stuff. Like, I love them still, <laughs> even though they've lost their mind and are threatening my child. But I'm like, you are scared of college students. Maybe don't center yourself in this moment. You know, maybe try, try. Matt. Ugh. Can I just say yeah. thank you? And the work you do brings many people around the world catharsis for trying to understand oh, and think about this issue. Is there anything else you'd like to say before we wrap up that, um, that you haven't said already? I would like to say uh, that if anyone's listening to this and uh, wants to debate me, <laughs> my DMs are open. Please feel free to write long screeds. Um, yelling at me. I, I, it's always welcome. Always welcome. <laughs> and, and I want you to know and feel safe in knowing that when you are debating me, you are debating Hamas at the same time. <laughs> uh, so, because I bring all my messages back to Hamas uh, via Qatar, obviously, the emir, I talk to him. He brings the messages back. And then your debate talking points are, are seriously considered uh, by, by Hamas. So yeah, uh, follow me at Matt Leave Jokes on Instagram. Uh, and yeah, thank you guys for 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 having me on the on the show and uh, allowing me to uh, you know talk about Israel and stuff. I hope I, no, I hope I made sense. I mean, it's a really tricky time, and you know as. Two white guys from Australia. Well, I'm Lebanese, so I'm kind of from the region. <laughs> but yeah, but, I was. But I was going to say. But, you, I I was. I I thought. I thought you were uh, Jewish at first, and see that just speaks to the American ignorant racism that I have, <laughs> where I just looked at you and I just said. <laughs> You know, oh, here's a Jew right here. I mean, I feel completely ill-equipped to have a conversation about it because, you know, I... Uh, yeah. And so it's great. Because the, the fact that you're Lebanese and me even saying this, like, you're like, I'm not touching this, Matt. <laughs> Fuck you for you. <laughs> but there are, well, there are braver Lebanese friends in Australian media than my, than myself who are doing a lot yeah. of mental load work on this. Um, and yeah, you know, I can Jan imagine. Fran, Antoinette Latouf, and all those all those dudes who are like, really awesome on this on this topic um you know I, I salute their work it's it's incredible what they're doing too but matt to have a comedian do it who's jewish is really fun <laughs> it's a lot of fun it's a very niche market and you know what it doesn't help 
the career. <laughs> <laughs> Help me! Well, that's a rational fear. We're a very niche podcast. <laughs> we don't help anyone's career. Yeah. I'm so sorry, man. Well, I'll be fine. Oh, <laughs> God damn it. Oh, I need help. Thank you, Matt. If someone pays me enough money, I will shill for whatever weird apartheid country you got. So just, no, just if some fossil fuel state in the middle of if the a Gulf fossil fuel, wants to launch the fun. Yeah, you know, if uh, let's say a, a place that's some sort of Islamic republic <laughs> is looking for a token, <laughs> I'm your guy. You're the guy. Uh, Thank you, Matt. Yeah. Thanks for having me. Matt Lieb. You can catch Matt Lieb on Instagram at Matt Lieb Jokes. Uh, also, you can follow his wife, Francesca Fiorentini, also on Instagram. They do excellent work together. A big thank you to everyone who listened to this show, but also thank you to Jacob Round on the Teppanyaki Timeline for giving it a bit of a tidy up. Also, big thank you to Rode Mikes for Lewis's new gear. Oh, it's so good to have Lewis on his new gear. It's less dodgy than the gear we had before. And also, big thank you to all of our Patreon supporters. Now, if you are a Patreon supporter and you want to come to our millionth download show, there is a code on Patreon. So if you want to find out what that is, log on to Patreon or check your Patreon emails and you'll see the discount code there. You get a big discount to come to our millionth download show at the Malthouse Theatre in Melbourne, February 1st. All right, until next time, there's always something to be scared of. Bye.